the, the article totaled just a handful of situations and the total came to 800 million in cryptocurrency that was stolen during hacks to exchanges this year and I think the article is posted in June of this year so that's just halfway through the year 800 million dollars stolen cryptocurrency that's not regulated it's not necessarily tracked uh, like most of the other stuff that happens on traditional currencies would be able to, to be uh, either insured or kind of protected against. So this is Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp where I help tech professionals in their 20s and 30s balance a great life today without sacrificing their future possibilities. I'm your host, Lucas Caceres, certified financial planner and founder of Level Up Financial Planning, where I help educate, coach, and build strategies with my clients to help them take their financial confidence to the next level. Here's an important compliance disclosure. This podcast is for informational purposes only and are not to be considered recommendations. It is recommended you consult your trusted financial professional before implementing any information obtained from the Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. Hey everyone, thanks for checking out Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about cryptocurrency. So I know I've been promising it for a couple of episodes now and I figured what the heck, why not just go ahead and push this out and see what you all think. So I think that the main thing I'm going to get to is why cryptocurrencies just really are not a great fit for financial planning. So if you heard anything about my background, I'm a financial planner. And so I do believe very much so in the power of having a plan and not just kind of gambling or taking unnecessary risks if they're not actually going to be providing value for you. When you think about cryptocurrencies, it's helpful to go back and look at another point in time when people were freaking out about something and it wasn't really rational and it didn't really make sense. And that was back in the 1600s when someone would effectively be paying what we would consider today $750,000 for a tulip bulb. Yes, a tulip bulb. So that, that's actually a flower and that's the equivalent of what they would be spending today once you adjust that for inflation. So that's a ridiculous amount of money. And even even the most advanced kind of engineers that are listening or someone that's really high up in tech, $750,000 is probably a multiple of your annual pay. So that's crazy when you think about it. You think that you can go to the store and buy tulips right now anyways. But yeah, the reason for it is I guess there were some rare, rare bulbs and it was the hot item to have. And even people that did not have high standards of living would really be taking their money, anything they could, they would scrape it together and go and buy the most expensive tulip they could buy. So that $750,000, that was definitely on the higher end. They had other amounts that would have ranged today in about $100,000 equivalent. So maybe one year of someone in tech salary or a couple of years for just the average income that people make today. So yeah, that's that sounds crazy, right? Like how, how is that even possible? What else is going on with those tulips? Like why, why was it such a big deal? And it was seriously, it was just a, a trend and it was a, a rare item and it, people wanted to show off and show how cool they were by having those tulip bulbs basically. So if you want something a little bit more current, we can just look at the Beanie Baby mania that hits and that hit when I was about in fifth grade, at least that's when it hit my family and, and the people that were like my friends and my class. Those Beanie Babies probably cost about $5 at the time, but they were selling for as much as $5,000 for some of those rare ones. And so again, it, it's just something that's not rational. All it was was just some cloth and some beans. 
So how, how are they selling these things for $5,000? It's because someone said they were rare and there was a lot of demand for it that could push something up like that. Now let's look back at cryptocurrencies. So cryptocurrencies, I think the hype has mostly died down at this point. I'm not getting asked every single day, what's my hot cryptocurrency take, uh, which surprisingly was a high, a high percentage of the time. I was actually getting that question and that's how I knew things probably were uh, heating up to a capacity that didn't really make sense. Every now and then you'll still hear cryptocurrency kind of creep up in the news. There'll be flare ups, whether, whether the, the markets got heated up and the values have skyrocketed again, or they've fallen dramatically. You might be hearing about some new scandal or some hack that stole a whole bunch of cryptocurrency coins, whatever cryptocurrency it is. And so those things happen still pretty frequently, more frequently than I would like to hear, especially on those hacking side. But we'll talk about that in just a moment. And so the reason why I think that it is important to talk about cryptocurrency is because I think a lot of people don't really understand that how how it works. I know a lot of you are in tech and and you know you know the mechanics. You understand the technology way more than I ever could about how cryptocurrencies work, all about the blockchain and stuff like that. But there's more to it. It's not that if you build it and they will come. There's a lot more to determining value, determining whether something's gonna be successful, and then also relying on it too as a part of your plan. And I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of this episode is you cannot count on cryptocurrency to be a part of your plan. You can count it on it as a lottery ticket. So I don't, if someone goes out and buys a lottery ticket, they don't have to tell me, my clients don't have to tell me that because it's basically worthless until it actually is something, then, then we'll calculate for it. But for the most part, we're not going to plan on it. We're not going to rely on those things. Even things like inheritances a lot of times unless it's like an impending inheritance you know the dollar amounts you know your name's actually in the will and it's just a matter of time for you actually receiving those things do we even factor that in because i don't want people relying on things that are so far outside of their control and it may not ever be a reality so before we dive in too deep just in case some of you are not familiar with what cryptocurrencies are i'm not going to go into the deep deep details i'm sure a lot of you listening probably even know more than I do. It's not something I spend a lot of time on, uh, but it is something I kind of keep eyes and ears open. When I see stories, I read about it and just kind of hear what's going on. What's what's the major thing happening that's causing things to to jump around and causing people to freak out a little bit. You've been in technology, you know that it's it's a currency built on technology, basically. So that's why a lot of times it's exciting for people, especially people in the tech, that you do understand it. It's technology related. So you really want to gravitate towards it and, and buy into this because it's the future possibly. And so I know there's a lot of emotions and there's a lot of, I, I understand the intricacies and so I want it to be successful. Pump the brakes on that. Don't, don't jump in just for those reasons only. And again, if you are, just make sure you're doing it with the understanding that it's it's essentially a lottery ticket and it could be worth nothing. More specifically though, for, for those that may have not heard of cryptocurrency or may not be all that familiar, I think the most interesting part by far, and I think this is a shared understanding kind of globally, is that the most important part of these cryptocurrencies is actually that technology behind it, the, the blockchain, which acts as a general ledger and it's an exciting new technology which has a significantly greater impact than the actual cryptocurrencies themselves. By all indications, blockchain is going to be the future of not necessarily cryptocurrencies, but just the way 
data and information is shared and transferred. And that alone is, is worthy to be aware of. And it is cool and exciting. And, and what I kind of view the cryptocurrency as is really just like a, the preview or the spotlight or the advertisement essentially for what the blockchain is actually capable of. So although it's it's been around uh, really heavy usage and kind of power that, that's needed and the electricity and those types of things is, and again, this is just kind of from the people I've heard, the few of the workshops I've been to that talks about these things. So I hear that it, the blockchain has been around for a while, but it's pretty expensive kind of to maintain and kind of uh, be put in place. So that's why we haven't seen that much about it until Bitcoin came out and it was kind of the first one to champion like how this is a possibility and, and how it may have some practical uses for a lot of those other things like I mentioned. said this already, but I'm not an expert on cryptocurrency or blockchain. Uh, and those who actually claim to be, I think really can only claim to be an expert in the understanding of the underlying technology. not They, they can't be experts on what's going to happen with the future markets for cryptocurrencies because there's just too shallow of a data history. Uh, a lot of it is kind of hoping and wishing. And it, even the, the short amount of time that we do have, there's been a lot of cloudy situations, a lot of things that are not necessarily as clear. Some of the things that the cryptocurrency was supposed to do, you'll hear in a little bit. Actually, those things have got weaknesses in their armor. And so they're not as great as a lot of people kind of hype them up to be once start to look around and see what's actually occurring within that space. I think the the people that do claim to be an expert or want to kind of forecast like, oh, this is me worth a thousand times this or a hundred times that, they're for one, that's scary that someone's going to predict something like that and and try to talk you into doing something as a result uh, because there's inherent conflicts of interest in particular because those cryptocurrencies already are thinly traded because there's not a whole lot of demand for it. And so the smallest change in demand may actually influence that value short term. Uh, a lot of people put fake news out into the world, or, or it could be real news too, but they put stuff out specifically to instigate those value changes so that they could favor and, and maybe they're pumping it up so they can get out. Um, and Or maybe they're putting in negative news so that they can buy something lower. So We'll, we'll talk a little bit more on price manipulation and how those things work, but enough of kind of that, those details for now. I'm going to cover more specifically why cryptocurrencies are not a good fit in a financial plan, then tackle a couple of concerns that I have personally with cryptocurrencies and its future viability. My biggest rule by far is invest in what you understand, and most people have a tough enough time navigating U.S. dollars, and cryptocurrency is a lot more complicated than that. It's a lot newer. No one really knows what's going on. And so because it is not standardized and as revolutionary as it is, I don't think it's going to lead to what a lot of cryptocurrency enthusiasts are hoping for. The value of cryptocurrency is based purely on supply and demand. And it's estimated that there could actually be more than 1,600 current cryptocurrencies out there uh, as of today. So what happens if you split a low volume of interest in general in cryptocurrencies across 1,600 different options. Plus, there's still more coming out, right? So uh, what happens is you're really diluting the demand and that kind of the ability to trade and have the, the people willing to buy those and sell them for the same amount. And when you start to have a very shallow 
amount of buyers and sellers and they're not matching up great, that's when you see these ridiculous price differences and sometimes it'll, they'll be really high, sometimes they'll drop really far and so you'll see these things bounce around pretty crazily sometimes and that's all over the course of a day. So what happens if no one shows up to buy what you have? So let's say you have a crypto coin, X, whatever, I'm, I'm sure there possibly could be one named that but I'm just making up that name. What if cryptocurrency coin X I purchased one day and I purchased it for $1,000. What happens when I go to sell it and nobody wants to buy it? <laughs> it might as well be worth zero. And the, the fact that it's a digital currency too, it's not even like there's a physical thing that I can at least look at from time to time and, and just kind of remember that mistake that I made. Cryptocurrencies, very risky. They could be worth zero at some point. And that's just something that is a possible reality. And I think a lot of people understand that when they're not thinking about the greed aspects. And you may be listening to this now, and I know this is a kind of personal finance type show and say, I'm here because I actually have no clue about any types of assets or how they work. So what's the difference if I don't understand how the stock market works or the real estate works? If I don't understand that stuff, what's the difference between not understanding that and not understanding the cryptocurrencies and what's going on there? So there's dramatic differences. So real estate is a physical asset. You can see the land, if there's property built up there, you can see that as well. And almost always when it comes to land, a popular saying that they say is, it's the one thing that they're just not making any more of. And that is true, that's why you see property values increasing constantly, even if there is a recession, it does a very little dent to things like property values and when you think about shares of stock, shares of stock, if you're not aware of it, are actually part ownership of a company. And hopefully what a company does have is a product or service that generates revenue. And that's really a tangible thing, right? So those are tangible items. Property, land, that's a, that's a physical thing. And then with these companies, they actually have something that's generating revenue for you. And it's trackable. You can kind of see where their expenses are, where their income is being generated. You can see when they start to do bad or if they're starting to do really well. All these things are a lot more transparent and support the actual value of an asset. Sure, there's still supply and demand based to a point, but there's still actually underlying assets associated with it. So that's really the biggest difference is there's things that support the value of these assets, but with cryptocurrency, it's purely hoping and wishing that there's someone on that buy-in side when you're ready to sell. And if not, if they all disappear and, and people decide that that cryptocurrency coin that you own no longer is relevant, then you end up being in a tough spot there. And um, I'm going to talk to you about a couple examples of some of those situations soon. So even with these things, there's still going to be volatility with real estate and the stock market. Uh, there could be liquidity issues as far as if there's not as much demand, it might be hard to sell something or you'll have to sell it at a little bit more of a discount. But those really pale in comparison when you compare it to the liquidity and volatility issues seen regularly on, if not daily, a monthly, quarterly kind of basis for cryptocurrency. So it's, it's a constant ongoing issue with cryptocurrencies. And again, a lot of it just has to do with the, there being too many cryptocurrencies and then the demand's not there to support all of these different worlds that those cryptocurrencies operate in. So more than anything, I did highlight on the risk earlier, but I think when I talk to clients about the, the financial crisis, 
that started in 2008 and how it led the stock value to fall to nearly 50% from its peak, they get freaked out by that. They're like, well, I'm not going to be happy about that. And I became a financial planner shortly after that, but I was actually working in community banks uh, as a teller and seeing people freak out and, and they were bringing in cash. They were storing it in their safety deposit box. Sometimes they were just taking loads and loads of cash out and they said they're just going to bury it in their backyard, put it under in their pillowcase and things like that. So people freak out when the stock market starts to fall. And so that doesn't happen nearly as often as it does with cryptocurrencies. And, and you may be thinking to yourself, well, uh, the listeners of your show, like I'm, I'm a listener of your show and I'm in my 20s or in my 30s and so I can take a lot more risk. And I say, yes, yes, you can. You can definitely take a lot more risk and, and do a lot crazier things when you're in your 20s and 30s. But what I have seen is people in their 20s and 30s almost seem to be more conservative than some of my older clients. And it's because they've never experienced anything like this yet. So they haven't experienced in the stock market when it fell 50%, or if they did, they basically had no money in their 401ks when they were first starting early in their career. My older clients have seen it. It's not their first rodeo. Yes, they're not happy. Yes, they might be a little bit more skittish than, than it, if it, things were going well. But compared to my 20 and 30 year old clients, I know those are going to be the conversations I'm going to be uh, speaking to the most. They're going to be needing the most handholding during the next recession when there is a big run on the stock market like we saw in 2008, 2009. So people freak out. They do uh, irrational things when they're fearful. And that's not even talking about if they lose jobs. People end up becoming even more fearful and, and do even worse things that once they feel like they're losing control of everything in their life. So it's scary to think about those potential losses. And I know that a lot of times, just because you're in your 20s and 30s, you may talk to talk, but you're not going to walk the walk. And there's a lot of research too that shows that 20 and 30 year olds are actually doing a really great job at saving, but they're doing a horrible job at investing. And it's because they heard and they saw what happened to their grandparents and their parents during the last recession. And they, they don't want that to happen. So they're, they're stockpiling cash in their savings account and they're not deploying it into investments. And this has been going on for the last six or seven years when the stock market has been really hot, been doing really well. It just shows you and, and kind of proves the point that a lot of people really are fearful. They're not willing to take a lot of risk. And that's, that's all cryptocurrency is. It's like 100% pure risk, basically. So when you think about how cryptocurrency stack up, one of the things that I was kind of researching before I hit the record button is I was looking to see like how many have failed because I've, I've been hearing like, oh yeah, these, there's constantly cryptocurrencies that are failing and whatnot. And so I did a search and there's actually a site called deadcoins.com. Pretty interesting. I, I went there and in my mind, I just saw the, the Lion King the other night and uh, obviously Simba goes to the elephant graveyard. It reminded me of a, a digital elephant graveyard for cryptocurrencies. So they were keeping track and it appears like in the results, there's 1,735 cryptocurrencies that no longer exist that once did in some form or fashion. One thing that kind of was depressing and a little bit scarier than that was of that 1735, they're actually broken down into a few categories and a lot of them, a lot of them died just naturally or <laughs> however cryptocurrencies die, right? But um, they were kind of classified as deceased. Uh, then there was another category called scams, like 
yikes. And, and I've ran into some people early in my business when I was networking, where they were claiming some crazy things and, and promising some weird stuff with some cryptocurrency I had, had never even heard of. So I'm not shocked at all that there's scams involved with that. I know for the longest time, I think Facebook was allowing a lot of crazy ads to be put on their website. And so you'd be scrolling through Facebook and then there'd be some crazy promises, being able to buy coins and stuff like that. And so, yeah, there's a lot of scams out there too that are occurring. So um, that was a good chunk of that 1735 that no longer exists. And then even scarier than that is some of them were hacked. So I imagine this has something to do with some type of software or some permission that you're kind of given these, what you thought were legitimate cryptocurrencies and they go in there and, and they do their thing and, and start to hack. And so those are all, all three of those are horrible because you're definitely losing your money. And I think with the, the deceased coins and the scams, most likely if you still had any residual cryptocurrency of any kind, you probably ended up with zero regardless of what that was worth before any of those things occurred. More depressing than that, though, is the hacks. I imagine the hacks actually could set you back further than that zero amount. So with with the other things, at least you only lost what your investment was. Maybe that was kind of what you expected anyways as a possibility. But with a hack, who knows what they took? They could have stolen your identity. There could have been, there could be things yet <laughs> for you to be aware of that are going to come down the pike because of whatever information they stole from you. So another kind of key point I want to make, and this is, something I just love doing and it's creating a strategy guide. It's creating a plan. And so I feel a plan is way better than a wish. And if you're working in tech, you luckily have a higher than average income than uh, the typical American. So what this means is you actually have a lot of flexibility in how you choose to use your income. But for the most part, if you're doing the right things and you start doing it relatively early in your career, it's pretty easy to build a successful plan where you can have an awesome life become financially independent at a decent age and not have to ride the roller coaster of cryptocurrency mania. So even if you're getting a late start though, you still are capable of taking control of your financial life without having to take a ridiculous gamble and try to win the lottery with cryptocurrency. And, and I say this because I have a few of my clients late in their 30s and their 40s. I even have clients that I've helped uh, at my previous firm that were in their 50s really turn things around because their income was high enough and they just got really serious about what they were trying to do and, and take control of their financial life. So it's, it's not too late regardless. And I try to say that whenever I know, I know this is geared towards 20 and 30 year olds, but I never know when someone else is going to stumble upon this and, and think that their situation's irreparable. That's not the case. I've seen it possible. I'm all for having fun. And, and maybe you like the roller coaster ride. I don't mind if my clients dabble in cryptocurrency for the fun of it. Heck, I used to go out to the casino <laughs> back uh, in my early 20s, and, and it was something that was fun, and I enjoyed doing it. I like trying to think about the different probabilities and, and, and that stuff, but I always had the clear understanding that the funds that I was using, I basically have to view that as an entertainment expense because I'm probably not leaving with that money, and and I think one thing that a lot of gamblers who actually have gambling problems don't understand is that even if you win big, you're going to lose it and you're going to lose more. So I, I think that's one of the, the problems with addiction is they, they're not able to kind of see clearly from that aspect. I purely just enjoyed the, the experience. And, and again, I knew it was an entertainment expense that if I want something that's cool, I'm sure I'll give it back over the course of the, the next few times I went. Since I've had a family, it's definitely changed my 
responsibilities and priorities a little bit. Since the cryptocurrencies are like a lottery ticket, they're they're definitely a really high form of gambling and, and not like the type of gambling that some people try to associate the stock market like. It's, it's not even close uh, when you compare the volatility. So that's why cryptocurrencies are just not a good fit for a financial planning asset. If, if you've done well, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I actually made a lot of money with cryptocurrency though. Well, do yourself a favor and cut your, <laughs> get out while you're ahead. And if you're able to do that, then heck yeah, we can use that as a, a planning asset, but you're, you're lucky if you do. And if you stay in, then it could be as much as zero later. It could be that same kind of mentality of, of even if you have a big winnings at the casino, if you keep playing the game, it's, you're bound to lose it. It's, it's just in the favor of the casino and in the cryptocurrency. One of the things I'm not going to dive in too much, but uh, the thought that just came to my mind is what I've been seeing. It's kind of like the gold rush from the sense that the people that are making a lot of the money right now are the people building the platforms, the uh, exchanges, the ones building the technology to kind of help you see these things and, and transact them and store them and transfer them. Like those companies, they're the ones making the money and they probably could care less what cryptocurrency is doing better or worse because they're getting paid every time something's passing through or anytime someone downloads their app and, and stuff like that. So that's what this reminds me of is, yeah, there's plenty of people making money, but it's not the cryptocurrency owners. It is the, the middlemen, the people that are, uh, actually facilitating these transactions to go on. For the most part, I'm done talking about why cryptocurrency is not a good financial planning asset. Now I just kind of want to talk to you a lot more of my just general thoughts on cryptocurrency for probably the fifth time. I'm, I'm not an expert, but this is just kind of what I think of from my financial planning, everything I've learned and have seen with what money is, what the stock market is, what bond market is, what real estate is uh, from my experiences. So one of the interesting things that I've seen of why people flock to cryptocurrency is because it is a decentralized currency and, and digital currency at that. So it means that they're not controlled by a government entity. And so a lot of people like that idea because it's kind of like a stick it to the man approach, which honestly, that's normally my attitude about a lot of old school foundations. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I launched Level Up Financial Planning which is because I do not believe in the traditional model of financial advising. It's super old school. People are charging a lot to not know what they're doing or do very little for their clients. And that's just not the way I want to operate. But I'm getting back on the subject here. So the, the main thought with the, the cryptocurrency not being controlled by a government entity is that then the currency cannot the, the value couldn't be manipulated by the governments that implement it as a way to regulate and stabilize uh, their respective currencies, which happens all the time, right? The, the U.S. Uh, has done it. They did the quantitative easing. Quantitative easing basically was across the whole globe. Uh, every every country that could do it almost needed to implement it due to the huge financial crisis. And so that was that was the argument: decentralized, not controlled by a government entity, because they didn't want price manipulation. So that's why a lot of people would say that that's the, the reason why cryptocurrency is the cool thing. That's why you have to gravitate towards it. Stick it to the man and, and it's not going to get manipulated like how everything else does. However, it's a lot worse, I think, for cryptocurrencies. There's a lot more manipulation going on and who the heck knows who's doing it, right? Because no one knows who, who's the owners, who's pulling the buttons and, and the triggers on those things. 
So there's been a lot of big news bombs that were dropping indicating that price manipulation is, is just a constant issue uh, with various cryptocurrencies. It's not like it was just one. It, this has happened multiple times across multiple cryptocurrencies where they're, they're either pumping the, the value up or pumping it down for whatever reason. And they're doing it through stories, manipulation. They're doing it through all these other different ways too that I'm sure I can't even imagine. But yeah, do, do a search for uh, cryptocurrency price manipulation and see what you find. I'm sure you'll find plenty there. Another thought of mine is there's just way too many of them. It's, I know it's a really great thought, that blockchain, the, it's revolutionary for sure. But again, normal money is difficult enough to manage to have to wade through like a thousand different magical currencies that are like basically two thirds of one, half a dozen of the other, however you say that, like who cares what this additional little feature is? Like, why does it matter? Because someone's trying to tell you that it's it's the cooler one or there's this additional feature. Well, if that's the case, it's just going to be like a, a VCR that is replaced by DVD, which is replaced by just digital streaming. And so why would you be putting your money in something that is just constantly going to be going out of vogue, out of kind of kind of like the, the tulip bulbs, just it's not popular anymore or there's a better version of it. Why would you be investing in those things? It sounds like they're depreciating assets by the sounds of it, since you can just produce something newer and try to make it a little bit better. So that's another kind of thought that I have. Another reason why a lot of people thought cryptocurrencies was so great was due to the security features of the blockchain. This too has been a tarnished part of cryptocurrencies because there's constantly hacks that occur. According to an article, and I'll include this in the show notes, uh, that I read on Invisipedia, kind of tracking this types of news about hacks on cryptocurrency. The the article totaled just a handful of situations, and the total came to 800 million in cryptocurrency that was stolen during hacks to exchanges this year. And I think the article is posted in June of this year, so that's just halfway through the year. 800 million dollars stolen cryptocurrency. That's not regulated. It's not necessarily tracked uh, like most of the other stuff that happens on traditional currencies would be able to to be uh, either insured or kind of protected against. So yeah, it's not safe. It's not safe like everyone wants you to think. Um, The security features and and sure, there's probably some research you can do to try to make sure you reduce that possibility. But again, it's just another unnecessary risk that's not needed. If, If your cryptocurrency already has a chance of going to zero, you don't need any more things in favor of pushing that probability up. And so my my final thought just on this is if there really ever was a mass adoption of cryptocurrency, maybe a handful of currencies will be meaningful and they'll start to to be more stable and reflect the way normal currencies work. And what happens then is, you know what, they're just not going to be cool at that point. So it's cool right now because there's not that many people doing it and it's so unique and different. But at some point, if they ever do become mainstream to the point where it could be widely adopted, it's just not going to be as cool. It's going to be the equivalent of my Starbucks stars or or basically what Facebook is doing with the Libra cryptocurrency that they're releasing. So again, I invite all comments. I'm not bashing cryptocurrency by any means. I'm sure some will be useful. And I think more than anything, it, it is showing that power of what the blockchain is capable of. And I really encourage anyone to reach out to me like, I, I want cryptocurrencies to work and, and I think they're really cool. I just don't think people should risk their future or their lives or their relationships because they're stressed out about money. 
when there's other things that you could be doing with it, you can be more intentional with it, you can control your situation a lot more. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Thank you for listening to Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. Remember, if you like what you've been hearing, to subscribe, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. I'm also still taking suggestions for future episode topics and guests. If you want to take your connection to the show to the next level, you can find me on LinkedIn or on Facebook. Catch you next time on Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp.